The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 506 episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, do you speak Portuguese? I do not. Neither do I. So our (laughs) listeners are going to be in for a treasure today. Anybody who listens to our bloopers knows that we sometimes have a hard time with the English language. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) On this episode, we are doing Haunted Portugal. There is a lot of haunted stuff going on over in this country. So we're looking forward to bringing that to you guys. Before we do that, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Jennifer L. and Jennifer B., Natty and Rachel. Thank you so much for joining our Spooktacular crew. And now this moment, Naughty. If you are a fan of truffles, you're likely aware that humans would use pigs to find the delicacy. Today, truffle hunters employ trained dogs to locate the tasty fungi. The effects of the 1986 Chernobyl nuclear disaster have recently been identified as the cause behind radioactive bores in Germany. Bavaria was affected by the nuclear fallout some 40 years ago. While many species of plant and animal life have shown a gradual decrease of radioactive contaminants, the wild boar's cesium, or radioactive isotope levels, have maintained high levels all these years later. Scientists determined that the cause of this phenomenon are deer truffles, and have even given the impact still affecting the boars a name, the wild boar paradox. Deer truffles are not a true truffle at all, but they grow similarly to their namesake. Deer truffles are a favorite food of wild boars. Because the fungi grow underground, they absorb toxic chemicals from the fallout of Chernobyl, as well as nuclear weapons testing. Wild boar meat was considered a delicacy in Bavaria, but has had a marked decrease in consumption in recent decades. The landscapes of Bavaria are beautiful, but the thought of radioactive piggies pilfering polluted fungi certainly is odd. Grab your slippers, hot chocolate, flashlight, and maybe even that baseball bat. And now, this month in history.
in the month of September on the 27th in 1825, the locomotion number one became the world's first passenger steam engine to carry passengers on a public line. Everybody sing, Come on, baby, do the locomotion with me. And we're chair dancing. The locomotion number one was built by George Stevenson and his son Robert at Robert Stevenson and Company. George Stevenson himself drove the train with the engine that was originally named Active. The first trip consisted of the engine, 11 wagons of coal, and 20 cars of passengers. Dubbed Experiment with 450 passengers and workmen, it was the first train to traverse the Stockton and Darlington Railway and traveled at a top speed of 12 miles per hour. At the time, locomotives were being updated quickly, which determined the retirement of locomotion number one in 1841. As of today, the original engine is on display in Shilden, Durham County at the Locomotion Museum. Portugal sits right along the coast of Spain, and while Spain overshadows it in size, the history of Portugal is vast. A mix of cultures have lived and ruled here for centuries. The country became a leader in exploration of the world and thus a principal entity for world trade. Today, the Republic of Portugal is a respected country that heralds peace and has a population of 11 million people. There are quite a few ghosts among that population, and on this episode, we're going to feature several locations in the country that are reputedly haunted. Portugal's history is a mix of Iberian tribes, Celtic people, the Roman Empire, Germanic kingdoms, Muslims, and Christians. Do we miss anybody? They've had everybody come through there. The Celts and Iberians mixed with each other in the early 1st millennium BC, creating a group known as the Celtiberians. Have you ever heard of them? I have not. No. They spread across what would become Portugal. The Romans conquered the Iberian Peninsula around 218 BC and remained there for 200 years, establishing Lusitania and Galatia. The Roman Celtic name for the country at that time was Portus Cale, which eventually morphed into Portugal. The Romans left behind bridges, baths, roads, and theaters. Germanic tribes moved in through the barbarian invasion after Rome fell and stayed from the 5th to 8th centuries until the Islamic invasion in 711. This eventually became part of the Kingdom of Galicia, which Portugal broke away from in 1095. The son of Count Henry of Burgundy declared himself King of Portugal in 1139, with his son, Afonso Henriques, becoming the first official King of Portugal. They don't really consider Henry of Burgundy the first King of Portugal because he kind of named himself. Lisbon became the capital of Portugal in 1255, which was also when the official borders of Portugal were set, and they have remained the same throughout history. This became a country of discovery with its sailors finding the Canary Islands, Madeira, and Cape Verde, and the country set up trading posts along the coast of Africa. It established the colony of Brazil, which is why Portuguese is still the official language of that country to this day. Portugal grew to a great power and then went into decline, losing Brazil, and eventually the capital was destroyed by a great earthquake in 1755. During the Napoleonic Wars, it was occupied. Throughout this time, the country was ruled by a monarchy, but in 1910, it became a republic. 
A military coup ended that in 1926, and a military dictatorship took over, and the country suffered under fascist rule. The Carnation Revolution in 1974 ended that rule, and Portugal became a founding member of NATO and features a country with a good economy and living conditions. People refer to the country as a garden by the sea planted. Clearly, the country has a rich history, and that has led to legends and ghost stories. Portugal has some similar superstitions as other countries, and a few that are slightly different. For example, the Portuguese also believe that breaking a mirror brings seven years of bad luck, and that walking under a ladder is bad luck. Also, if your ears burn, someone is talking about you, and if it's the right ear, they are speaking badly of you. If the left ear is burning, they're saying nice things about you. You can remedy the bad talk by twisting your ear, and the speaker will bite their tongue. Oh my! Crossing knives is bad luck, and placing a broom upside down behind the door will make an annoying visitor leave. We need to keep a broom near the door at all times, (laughs) instead of the baseball bat. Having 13 people seated at the table is bad luck and also means that the youngest at the table is going to die. Oh, my word. So don't just invite 13 dinner guests or something. Put the dog by the up on a chair or something if you only have 13 oh, people. <laughs> or tell somebody they have to go sit at another table. You, you're the odd man out. Go sit over there. Maybe that's where they got odd man out from. Good luck is brought on by entering a building with the right foot first. If someone's feet get swept by a broom, they will never marry. And tapping or knocking on wood three times will drive away evil spirits. It could also get the attention of your neighbor. Knock three times on the ceiling if you want me. (laughs) Here we go. We're having another one of our musical uh, episodes here. Oh, dear. First location we're going to look at is Amoral Castle. The Castle of Amoral is a medieval castle located at the Tagus River about an hour north of Lisbon with connections to the Knights Templar. The Knights Templar have a mixed history with some believing that they were a religious order that were helpful and protected the Holy Land while developing early forms of banking, while others believe that this was a secret society that developed into more modern-day societies that run a secret evil cabal. The historical facts are that they were founded in 1119 and were endorsed by the Roman Catholic Church. They wore white mantles with a red cross emblazoned upon them, and they were headquartered at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. They also fell out of favor with the church and the Pope, and in October of 1307, on Friday the 13th, Templar Grand Master Jacques de Molay and several other French Templars were ordered arrested by King Philip IV. The men were all tortured. The Pope disbanded the rest of the Templars in 1312 after they were accused of various heresies. Today, the Catholic Church has absolved the Templars and said they did nothing inherently wrong. It would seem the king was just very in debt to the group. Rumors of them building a treasure that they eventually hid have fueled treasure hunters for years, like the Legina brothers of Travel Channel's The Curse of Oak Island. No one is quite sure when the castle was completed. It was conquered by the Romans in the first century BC and remodeled by various cultures that moved through it in subsequent years, like the Visigoths, Andalusian Berbers, and the Alans, who were a medieval Iranian nomadic pastoral people of the North Caucasus. The Knights Templar moved into the castle in 1129 AD when their Portuguese master, Gualdem Pays, had the castle placed in his trust. The castle is beautiful and said to be the best representation of the influence of the Templars in Portugal. They called it Almoralan. Eventually, the castle was abandoned and fell into ruin. In the 1940s, it was recreated as a headquarters for the Portuguese Republic. The castle was restored, and bartizans, which are wall-mounted turrets that project out, and crenellations or battlements were added. 
Electricity was added in 1955. Major repairs were finished on the keep and the interior pavement by 1996. The castle became a national monument and tourists can visit it today. There are a couple spirits haunting the place, one of whom is a princess who was the daughter of an emir named Almoralan who ruled the castle in the 10th century. She fell in love with the Knights Templar and she would sneak him into the castle at night through secret passages. This knight had only been using the woman to gain that knowledge of the secret pathways, and one night, he and a group of knights snuck into the castle. The emir and his daughter jumped to their deaths, and the betrayed woman is said to haunt the castle for that reason. The haunting here is connected to a legend about a princess who lost her love. Don Romero was the last commander of the castle. He could be a violent man, and he once killed a Moorish woman and her daughter over a cup of water. Oh my goodness. I don't know if they wouldn't give it to him or what. The woman's son became a page of the castle with revenge on his mind. In the course of time, he fell in love with Don Romero's daughter, Beatrice, and she with him. But he was still set on revenge, so he poisoned Romero's wife. Romero left shortly after that to fight a war, and while he was gone, the Moorish man and his daughter eloped. Romero wasn't happy to find this out when he returned home with a knight he wanted his daughter to marry. You can just imagine they're riding back to the castle, and he's like, <laughs> I've got the greatest daughter. You're going to love her. She's going to love you. I'm so excited to have you as my son-in-law. And then he gets home, and she's like, Dad, I'm already married. Whoops. Shortly thereafter, the man and Beatrice disappeared, and no one knows if they were killed or just ran away. Now the spirits of Beatrice, the page, and Dom Romero are all seen as full-bodied apparitions, and it usually appears that Romero is kneeling in front of Beatrice and the young man as though begging for forgiveness. And next we have Volongo Sanatorium. Construction started on the Volongo Sanatorium in 1932, but it wouldn't open until 1958. Building was halted for a while when a dispute with the local coal company started. They didn't want a sanatorium nearby. The sanatorium sits on top of Mount Alto in the Monte de Santa Justa and provided treatment for people who had tuberculosis. There were several buildings that were part of the property with a main hospital, a chapel, a laundry, and a school for children of the patients. The sanatorium was only meant to care for 50 patients, but there were usually around 350 people at any given time. Conditions were deplorable. The building closed in 1975 and has stood abandoned since then, suffering vandalism, theft, and fires. Hundreds of people died from tuberculosis at the hospital, and now people claim it is haunted. Paintballers love to use the space, and many of them report hearing doors opening and closing on their own. Hollow cries of pain are heard, shadow figures have been seen, and cold spots have been felt. And next we have the castle of Saljois in Estoril. Estoril Castle is named for the coastal town in which it sits, and is unique in that it is a fairly small castle. When I looked at pictures of this, it's probably the smallest castle I've ever seen other than going to Disney World or (laughs) Disneyland and seeing the castles there. The town of Estoril is close to Lisbon and is a fishing port with a beach named Tamara's Beach. Overlooking this beach is the castle. The castle was built in 1917 by Jorge O'Neill. He's got a very Portuguese name there. The castle passed through many hands after him with most people not staying long because of scary things they had experienced or misfortune that had befallen them. In 1942, the castle was bought by Montero Ballard, who turned the property into a museum called Verdades Feria Museum and opened it for artists and musical art. Later, the castle was donated to the board of Cascais, and the museum became a regional history museum. In 1983, José Castelo Branco, who was a reality star in Portugal, had put forward an offer for the castle, but he retracted it after he claimed to see a little girl wandering on the cliff. 
Then the mother of actress Lily Kanakis was going to buy the house, but when she heard that a little ghost was wandering the property, she changed her mind. A doctor and his family were living in the castle in 2015. They restored the property and claimed that they experienced nothing paranormal. This is thought to be one of the most haunted properties in Portugal, and the legend behind the little girl ghost is that she was a blind girl who lived in a house next to the castle, and she accidentally fell from a cliff to her death. People claim to see the little girl holding a doll and walking around the property. Next we have Quinta das Cancas e dos Lilas. The word Quinta basically means country estate, and there were two of them on this property that has now been turned into a park in northern Lisbon. Both homes remain on the property and were built in the 16th century by prosperous Portuguese families that traded in coffee. The city of Lisbon has managed the Quinta since the 1960s, but only just recently opened them and the park to the public in 2005. The legend here is that one of the wealthy businessmen had a slave woman that he tortured and eventually killed. Now her wailing is heard by people who visit. And next we have Lethe's Theater. The theater is located in the city of Faro and dates back to 1605 when the building was originally built and used as a Jesuit college. This was founded by the Bishop of the Algarve, Fernando Martins Mascarenhas. The Jesuits used it for nearly 150 years, but had to leave when the Jesuits were banished from the country in 1759. The college was turned into the royal treasury at that time. When France invaded Portugal in 1807, French soldiers used the building as a barracks, and the property was desecrated. The skeleton of a Napoleonic soldier would later be found buried in one of the walls. The Order of Carmelites later moved in and stayed until 1834. An Italian doctor bought the property at auction in 1843 and converted it into the theater it is today. Teatro Lethes opened on April 4, 1845. The name Lethe comes from one of the five rivers of the underworld of Hades. The theater fell out of popularity during the early 20th century, but today has been reinvigorated. There is a story that a young ballerina became severely depressed over unrequited love and hanged herself on the stage. This has resulted in stories of a ghost being at the theater. Staff at the theater claim to hear disembodied footsteps on the empty stage, and a shadow figure is seen moving on the stage sometimes. People believe that this is the ballerina still performing in the afterlife. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Next, we have Termas de Agua Radium. We've talked about the Radium Girls on the podcast before. Remember, Kelly, these were young women who worked painting radium on watches because it 
was fluorescent so they could see the dials and everything. I do. This was back in the 1920s. They ended up with radiation poisoning that eventually killed them because a lot of them, instead of dipping the paintbrush in water, they just would put it to their tongue. tongue. It was so much quicker to just Mm -hmm. do it like that. Doop, 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 doop. That was bad enough. But imagine a spa with radium water. Oh, dear. Hotel Sara de Peña was originally known as Termas de Agua Radium or Radium Water Hotel. The hotel was built from granite and resembles a castle. It stands in ruins today, but was once a popular resort boasting about its healing waters. I mean, radiation does kill cancer. Oh, boy. A Spanish count named Don Rodrigo came to the region of Guarda in the early 20th century and found that the waters cured his daughter of a serious skin disorder. It's probably because it melted her skin right off. He decided to build a hotel so that others could come as well. At the time, radium was being sold as a cure all throughout Europe. As World War II raged, people started realizing that radioactivity was dangerous. So people stopped coming to the hotel and the hotel fell into ruin. Locals claim that the abandoned property harbors the souls of those who died from radium poisoning. These are mostly seen in the form of shadow figures. And isn't it interesting that I randomly pulled for the oddity radioactive wild boars. Synchronicity. Just another one of those things that happens around here, folks. I just now clicked into that, even though I just heard you read it. And now on to Pusada Serra de Estrella. The Pusada Serra de Estrella features 90 rooms and has a spa with a sauna, Turkish bath, and indoor swimming pool. The hotel caters to bicyclists and refers to itself as a bike hotel with a bike station for parking and washing bikes. There are plenty of trails nearby to ride, and the hotel gives breathtaking views of the mountains. This location offers crisp, clean air, and that was attractive at the beginning of the 20th century when tuberculosis was raging in Portugal. This site was originally home to a sanatorium for those suffering from TB. Legend claims that many railway workers died from TB at the sanatorium, and they now haunt the hotel that was built in the footprint of the hospital. Next, we have Casa Amareya. Casa Amareya translates to Yellow House and is an abandoned house in the town of Ovar. The legend behind the house claims that a father became angry with his daughter and he threw her into the house as well, where she was imprisoned until she died. Oh my goodness. Out of remorse, he hanged himself. People claim that their ghosts haunt the property. There was an attempt to demolish the house, but the equipment stopped working. Then the house was put up for sale at a low price and someone bought it, but they left soon after. And that happened repeatedly. No one stayed long in the house. Disembodied screams are heard in the house, although the house has been bricked up. Yeah, so it looks like a really nice house on the outside, and then you look at the windows, and they're all full of bricks. Goodness. So somebody didn't want anybody going in this house, so there's something going on here. I don't know what. And now on to the Busaku Palace Hotel, which is located in the Busaku National Forest and was commissioned to be built in 1888 by King Charles I of Portugal as a royal retreat. This was in the center of 250 acres of woodland that had been planted by Carmelite monks that had a convent here that they established in 1628. Italian architect Luigi Manini designed this as a romantic neo manueline palace and parts of the convent with Baroque altarpieces are still part of the palace. Several other architects contributed to the design and construction that took 20 years to build. The palace's interior reflects the history of the building and the area and features antiques and fine paintings. The hotel has been upgraded with modern conveniences and features 60 rooms and four suites decorated in different early 20th century styles. 
guests and staff claim that the hotel is haunted by the ghost of a headless friar who was murdered there in the 19th century. The haunting features strange noises and the feeling of a cold presence in the hotel's hallways. And next we have the Phantom Ship. The Bay of Angra is near the Portuguese island of Tessera and was an important port of call for merchant ships coming from the East Indies and Brazil. The ships were usually loaded with gold, silver, spices, rare woods, and porcelain. Occasionally, storms would bring in bad winds, and a few ships made the bay their final resting place. One of these ships is now said to be the phantom ship of Baia de Angra. This ship was full of treasures and sank in the bay with its full crew. Now, that ship and its ghostly crew is occasionally seen sailing through the bay late at night. Up next, we have Quinta da Palacea. The Quinta da Palacea is a nondescript-looking building that is surrounded by barbed wire in the town of Agueda, which is said to be one of the most colorful towns in Portugal. The home was built by the Aguadense family, who are from Brazil. When the 1918 influenza pandemic raged across the world, many people in Portugal died. This included the entire family, save for one member, Neca Canero. No one knows how he came to his end, but when he died, the house was left abandoned. Neighbors claim to hear shotgun blasts from the empty property and sometimes the neighing of unseen horses. People passing by claim to hear cries from the house. A gardener who came to work on the property one day experienced a headache so bad that he had to leave and he never returned. Next is the Bella Vista Hotel and Spa. The Bella Vista Hotel is one of the city of Algarve's most beautiful five-star hotels. This is located near Portomayos, Preya da Rocha, and the property was once a 38-room mansion. This mansion was built by the Magalhas Barros family in the early 1900s. The last family member to live here was their eldest daughter who died in the mansion. The property then went to a cousin named Henry Bavar de Vasconcelos, and he converted it into the hotel it is today in the 1930s. The daughter who died in the mansion is said to be the ghost that is experienced here by guests. Her disembodied footsteps are heard in the hallways as well as her cries. And up next, we have Quinta de Juncosa, which is located near Porto and is said to be one of the most haunted locations in the country. This was a farmhouse that belonged to the Baron of Lages and his wife, Maria Julia. He was a jealous man, and he began to believe that his wife was cheating on him. He decided to tie her to the back of a horse and dragged her until she was dead. Wow, nice guy. The Baron later discovered that he had been wrong, and out of remorse, he killed himself. But not before he killed all their children as well. Good grief. Yeah, but I think it's a legend. The truth behind this story is quite different. The Baron died in 1933, and his wife died 20 years later in 1953. So kind of hard to drag her behind a horse until (laughs) she's dead. Whatever the truth is, urban explorers who visit the crumbling property claim to hear weird sounds cries, and have seen shadow figures. Next is the Faculty of Fine Arts of Lisbon. The Faculty of Fine Arts of Lisbon sits on the site of a former convent named the Monastery of St. Francis of Chiado. That monastery was founded in 1217 and remained open until 1834. That's a long run. The Fine Arts Academy opened there in 1836. The Fine Arts Campus provides space for residences lasting from two weeks to two months. Staff and students all have reported strange happenings. The elevators are said to run on their own, especially at night when no one is in them. Mysterious writing has been found on the floor, doors slam shut on their own, and strange shadows are seen. There were rumors that human bones were found in the college, which could possibly have been burials that have now been disturbed. 
considering that it was a monastery. I don't know if there was a chapel there. You know, sometimes they would bury people inside the chapel or underneath it. And last we have Chalet Biester. Sintra is a charming little town an hour from Lisbon on the hills of Serra de Sintra. This is a place where a mysterious fog envelops the hill on occasion. It is here where one finds the Chalet Biester, which has the nickname Witch House because of its dark conic roof and neo-Gothic windows. This was a manor which was built for merchant and playwright Ernesto Biester in 1880 and designed by architect José Luis Montiero in the neoclassical style. Gardens surround the palace and were designed by French landscaper François Nogre. The interior is breathtaking, with carved woodwork on the walls and ceilings, colorful frescoes, and amazing stuccos. I'll put some pictures of this up on Instagram. It is just gorgeous inside this place. Breathtaking, really. A unique feature at the time was the inclusion of an elevator made of wood and created by Raoul Mesnier de Punsar. The manor became a national monument in 1910 and was open to the public in 2022 after a major renovation. The mansion served as a set for Roman Polanski's thriller Ninth Gate starring Johnny Depp. Urban legends claim that a secret society had once gathered in the underground floors, where a book written by the devil himself was said to be hidden. The house is full of Knights Templar motifs, and there is reputedly a real Masonic initiation chamber in the basement. Portugal definitely had a lot of secret society activity going on there for sure. The architecture in Portugal alone demands a visit. Every one of these places is so cool, even the ruins. So many wonderful and historic properties. Several of them have inspired legends and seem to harbor spirits. Are these locations in Portugal haunted? That That is for you to decide. decide. Kelly, I don't know that we'll ever make it to Portugal, but uh, sounds like a fascinating country. They have a lot of great history there, a lot of great buildings. We have some great stuff over at historyghostbump.com. We'd love to have you check it out. And if you'd like to send us some feedback or contact us, you can do that at our various social media locations, or you can email us at historyghostbump at gmail.com. Karen had shared this in the crew. Found out this evening that a woman that grew up in this house passed away today. We bought the house from Rhonda's mom in 1991, and Rhonda was living in it with her family at the time. She also had another house, so she wasn't kicked out. LOL. That was my initial thought, too. I'm like, uh, so her mom kicked her out? (laughs) Anyway, Rhonda was four years younger than me and was my niece's best friend when we were growing up. She moved south, but we've kept in touch via Facebook in recent years. So I lit a candle for her tonight. After I lit it, I told her it was for her, and immediately after I said it, I heard a crash above my head in a room we use for storage, and it shut. The cats can't get in there, and Keith had just left for work, so no one else was here. I'm sure there was some reasonable explanation, and y'all know by now that I'm scared of my own shadow, but I'm sure Rhonda would get a good laugh out of it. And her mom, Jane, would be rolling laughing at me. Also, right after it happened, I got a text from my niece. She was telling me maybe I would have a new visitor tonight. She knows all about my house and saw stuff here herself when she was here with Rhonda when they were growing up. She told me to tell Rhonda she said hi. I said, that's okay. I think she was just here. (laughs) Sounds Sounds like it. Sounds like it. We want to thank you guys for joining us on this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to thank Amy Hyam for raising her support. We're going to be moving her into a garden crypt, and in three months, she's going to be getting her HGB mug. And did you see that picture that Vicky sent us? She'd gotten her mug, and she had it (laughs) sitting there with her, well... 
I think it's her skeleton that she got for Halloween, but maybe it was actually Vicky. Oh, dear. Maybe it took too long for the mug to get to her. I mean, I'm blaming the post office on that. Or, Mort, are you still embalming people over there? Um, so maybe antifreeze isn't a good substitute. (laughs) Thank you so much for supporting History Goes Bump. Make Mort a happy boy and share the podcast. A Spanish count named Don Rodrigo, Don Rodrigo, Rodrigo, Rodrigo. A Spanish count named Don Rodrigo. Oh, no. Rodrigo's like one of the easier names we have Rod- to pronounce. Well, don't you have to roll the R, though, or no? Rod- I mean. Rodrigo. I can't roll the Rodrigo. R after a D. I can roll my R's like crazy, but after a D, Doesn't apparently come out of your not. mouth on this one. Do you do? Do you roll the R after a D in Spanish? Rodrigo, Rodrigo. Oh dear. Don Rod. Don. <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna pull one of those out and slap just... it in after the Don because I can't do it. Just say it like a Westerner. Don Rodrigo. Actually, say it the way that Diane would phonetically say something, which is always wrong. Rodrigo. Oh Lord. The sip, the sips, the sips, the sips. Would the you sips like a little lo- sip? I sound the like I've had a few. Loaded with gold and silver. I feel like I've had a few sippy sips at this point. I guess it's just early in the morning. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Next is the Faculty of Fine Arts of Lisbon. <laughs> Finally, something we can actually say. <laughs> Don't have to look it up. I think we owe money to pronounce dot com <laughs> as know. often as we use it. Or Julian, he's he's great. Sintra is a, Sintra is a, is that too much? (laughs) (laughs) The belches that come out of this woman's body never cease to amaze me. (laughs) I may be little, but I'm mighty. You certainly are. (laughs) Better the attic than the basement. (laughs) 